Following Jesus in the present age is a perennial task. Join me, Ian Panth, biblical scholar and theologian, as I walk through the Christian scriptures and think theology out loud. If you want to dig deeper into the Bible or engage in God talk, then this is the podcast for you. Welcome. I invite you to listen in on my daily personal reflections as I follow the Robert Murray McShane Bible Reading Plan. You can find this plan on, for instance, BiblePlans.org. I'm recording these reflections, or daily devotions, to provide one example of how one individual reflects upon and reacts to Scripture. My hope is that in listening in on my personal reflections, you, the listener, will be encouraged in the development of your own daily Scripture reading habits and begin to hear, to hear the Spirit speaking to you through the Scripture. These reflections are not examples of deep exegesis and interpretation. For that, you can listen to my Slow Walk Through Revelation series or other podcasts that I produce. Rather, I'm inviting you to listen in on how my Spirit responds to the Scriptures and the Holy Spirit as He speaks to me through this daily habit. Feel free to join me twice daily as I divide the McShane family reading into morning and evening reflections. The secret readings I keep to myself. Also, feel free to simply listen to the scripture reading and spend time with the spirit and the text to form your own habit of listening to the spirit in the text. That ends today's reading from Joshua chapter 23 as we continue to follow along the Robert Murray McShane Bible reading plan. The reading for July 16th, according to the Robert Murray McShane reading plan, is Joshua chapter 23. And today I will read from Joel Edmund Anderson's translation of the Old Testament, the Torah, and the former prophets. Uh, You, of course, can uh, find your preferred translation on BibleGateway.com. You can also find the other reading plans on uh, BibleGateway.com or BiblePlans.org. So, Joshua chapter 23. Many days passed after the Lord had given rest to Israel from all their enemies all around, and Joshua had become old, getting on in days. So Joshua called to all of Israel, their elders, their heads, their judges, and their officials, and said to them, I am old and am getting on in days. You have seen all that the Lord your Elohim has done to all these nations before your face, for it is the Lord your Elohim who has fought for you. Look. I have caused the rest of these nations, along with all the nations I have cut off, to fall to you as an inheritance for your tribes, from the Jordan to the great sea and the setting of the sun. The Lord your Elohim will thrust them out and will dispossess them before your faces, and you will possess their land, just like the Lord your Elohim has spoken to you. 
So be very strong to keep doing all that is written in the book of the Torah of Moses. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Do not go into these nations that remain here among you. Do not even mention the names of their Elohim. Do not swear by them. Do not serve them. Do not bow down to them. Cling to the Lord your Elohim, just like you have done to this day. <clears throat> For the Lord has dispossessed great and mighty nations before your faces, and no man has been able to stand before you up to this day. They will become a trap and a snare for you. They will be a scourge in your side and a thorn in your eyes until you perish from upon this good Adamah. Look, today I am going in the way of all the land. You know in your hearts and souls that not one word from all the good words that the Lord your Elohim has spoken to you has fallen. Everything has come to you, not one word has fallen from you, but just as every good word of the Lord your Elohim has spoken to you, has come to you, so will the Lord bring upon you every evil word until he has exterminated you from upon the good Adamah that the Lord your Elohim has given you. If you transgress the covenant of the Lord your Elohim that he has commanded you, and go serve other Elohim and bow down to them, the wrath of the Lord will burn against you and you will perish quickly from upon the good land that he has given you. One man from you can pursue a thousand, for the Lord your Elohim is the one who fights for you, just like he has spoken to you. So take care over your souls to love the Lord your Elohim. For if you turn back and cling to the survivors of these remaining nations among you, if you intermarry with them and go into them and they with you, Know for certain that the Lord your Elohim will not continue to dispossess these nations from before your faces. So Joshua chapter 23, we're almost at the end of the book of Joshua. So uh, this chapter is uh, some of Joshua's final words to the people of Israel. As he says, he's going the way of all the land, which is a euphemism for uh, I'm, a, I'm about to die, basically, from back to dust um so again just like yesterday's reading there's a certain foreshadowing transition but it's also kind of echoes moses de departure as well um moses dies or uh the tradition is that he ascended uh because no one knows where his grave is uh, and oh, that so there's a couple figures in the Bible who uh, seem to pass into the heavenly realm uh, with without uh, dying in the usual way or without needing to be buried. Uh, so in uh, early chapters of Genesis, there's a figure named Enoch who walks with God all of days and then was no more. So some traditions have Enoch as that no more could be a use of euphemism for dying, but um, there's a tradition that he walked with God and was taken up um, into the heavenly realm. Then there's Moses. Then there's Elijah and Elijah the swing low sweet chariot the, the chariot comes and 
picks him up. Um, and Elisha witnesses that. Uh, and that's why when one of, like when Jesus goes up the mountain and he encounters um, Moses and Elijah, which also is symbolically the Torah and the prophets, that those two figures there. And so Enoch in some of the apocalyptic literature and later literature has this sort of um, authoritative feel as one who has actually ascended into the heavens. But Joshua does not is not one of those figures but when with Moses ascension before his ascension or death uh, he gives some final words to Israel kind of reiterating the stipulations of the covenant and so Joshua is doing something here their connection to the land is tied to their ongoing uh, commitment to the people's covenant with the Lord and um, Again, this notion that <clears throat> um, the Bible suggests that they went in and wiped out everybody in the land, that's clearly <clears throat> excuse me, clearly not the case, because here again, it's like, you know, I've gone before you, I've subdued the land, it's not really by your power or your ultimate skill that you have this land, but by uh, the Lord going before you and giving you this land for your inheritance and therefore disinheriting others from their dominion control of the land. And in this context, it's uh, that inheritance, disinheritance is connected to one's uh, behavior in, in the land, how one is, uh, how one is ruling. And so they've inherited the land, but they too can be disinherited. And uh, some of the warnings are don't intermarry with the, the people who were in the land before you. Uh, and in the ancient world, or at least the context here, those, you know, marriages um, would also involve they'd be somewhat like I mean a, a marriages still are a political thing like you are recognized by your various states nations cities um, that make it legal like your legal situation uh, but there's a lot often you know you're making covenants with a family you're making connection family connections and so those covenants there's there's just no what what modern people began to speak separately of in terms of religion or commitment to gods there's just there is no such thing as a separation of these things in the ancient world and in my view the separation of the, these things in the modern world is is a, an illusion. Like it's it's in words. It, we try to inscribe it in in law, um, but it's a and even those early 
uh, like even what we have in the United States, which began on Ro Rhode Island as a separation of uh, state function and church, was that the the state was not committed to a particular denomination. And in that context, that's what religion meant was a denomination, Christian denomination. And that's because there were different states that were uh, Catholic or Anglican, Episcopalian, uh, and the other, if you weren't part of that, then you might not have as many rights, or you could indeed be persecuted or your, your um, denomination or affiliation could actually be uh, criminalized. You might not be able to be licensed to preach. So, you know, it's Rhode Island, a Baptist, who's like, well, if we don't have, you know, Catholic or a Anglican in charge, someone who's beholden to a particular denomination, then, you know, everybody can have it practiced in their own way. But it wasn't as though your uh, particular faith didn't shape how you governed uh, it was just that let's separate that out so that we don't have that kind of persecution it's like a, not a commitment to one uh, denomination so yeah for me it's a bit of an illusion that we separate these things out as Bob Dylan said you gotta you gotta serve somebody so in the modern world uh, the state begins to function like uh, what we would term a religion anyway. Um, and you can read, um, if you're interested in that, you could read William Cavanaugh's The Myth of Religious Violence uh, and do, I'm trying to think of some other things off the top of my head that suggest that. I in, Read James K. Smith's Desiring the kingdom he's got a series of books um or something like walter winks that is it powers that be the books by walter wink but it's yeah this notion that yeah i could go on about this maybe in a, another podcast at some point or i probably will talk about it as i'm going through revelation but if you just listen to the language people use when they're talking about state functions, where do the terms sacred come up? What, where do the terms sacrifice come up? You'll, you will see that, uh, as Kavanaugh describes in another book, that those, those terms of holiness, he calls it the migration of the holy, and you, those terms have just migrated from... Uh, what in modern terms are called religious institutions, which is just a problematic use of language to begin with, to state institutions, uh, to government institutions. So just listen, as you're listening to uh, uh, the media um, and pundits and politicians, those terms that are have to do with things holy where do religious terms show up in our culture and you will i guarantee you if you start paying attention you're going to hear all those things associated with the state 
and with um, actions associated with the state. So it's it's this the state becomes the new uh, center of worship. Uh, it can declare that it has no god, but then if that's the case, then it becomes a god. Um, very much going back to like a Tower of Babel kind of thing. So, uh, oh, well, that, that, so I was saying that in terms of like intermarrying, that there's no, in a sense, there's no avoiding unless there's some kind of uh, conversion, like a total rejection of their uh, commitments to their local deities that that's not going to influence your marriage. Like even if you just think about uh, marriage in modern terms, like you, you are, sh a marriage is shaped by both preceding families and expectations and you shape one another. So if part of one's life is uh, a commitment to deities, and this would have been part of everybody's life back then, then that gets brought in uh, and is part of that, that union and commitment to one another. And so you can get influenced. Uh, and so it's like, don't, don't tie yourself to that, to uh, those uh, gods through through marriage. Um, it's going to lead you away from the covenant, lead you away from the one who brought you out of Egypt, and uh, ultimately it's going to result in you not being in the land if you continue down that path. And, yeah, so that's... <clears throat> again, and so I said this is again a foreshadowing chapter, and so is like Deuteronomy, like a lot of the rules that are presented it's almost like, well, if those rules are being presented we probably should look for them to be broken at some point those, that way of life or to be temptations and again here the last chapter kind of dealt with um, internal threats so how are we, how are the different tribes now that they've got their own territories, some uh, across a geographical barrier, what is worship going to look like and how do we standardize that is going to be an issue and how are we interpreting one another's worship and uh, the danger of, in, and, and the easy flare up of conflict between tribes that could actually lead to warfare over such topics but over other issues as well how much land do people have and uh, who inherited what and then this one seems to be more the due to the presence of those who are not in uh, covenant with the Lord who brought them out of Egypt the external temptations that are going to be there, the external threats. So again, it, I see this as it's both expressing the warning and it's foreshadowing what we're going to see in uh, Judges, First uh, and Second Samuel and Kings as being an ongoing 
uh, issue for the people that uh, and and re remember in a sense because of when this is uh, finalized when we have the sort of the final form of Genesis through second Kings this is being uh, written edited when uh, the northern tribe has been you know a century or two ago decimated by Assyria so they've been uh, disinherited from the land and then uh, and then contemporary to the author editor they've just been decimated uh, Judah the southern uh, kingdom has been uh, wiped out and put in and exiled uh, the temple has been destroyed by Babylon so they're they're living in exile so keep in mind that throughout this that's part of the reflection that's going going on from Genesis through second Kings and it's the question of why were we disinherited from the land why were we why are we in exile and so the author editor is just saying hey look that's <laughs> we were given these warnings all along these are the practices that led to us uh, being kicked out of the land and it's not like God didn't give us time to correct ourselves it's not like God didn't send us prophets it's not like Moses didn't warn us it's not like Joshua didn't warn us and so then when you go back um, I think the author is also pointing out that we in a sense Canaan is Israel uh, they're, they're, the Canaanites are the Israelites like it's where well we became like the Canaanites so what we did to them Assyria and Babylon did to us and uh, so to me uh, there's like a there's a certain level of humility in the way uh, Israel and I don't know how many people worked on this text I don't really we know we really don't have that information but how Israel told and preserved its history it didn't preserve the annals of the kings even though it mentions them we don't have them maybe one day we'll find a copy in a cave somewhere um, but we don't have them what we have is in a sense a a confession or an apology of this is why we're in exile this is why we lost the land but throughout that it's um, got these moments of the ideal of oh this is what we should have done this is this is when the kings were acting well so even in a figure like David who becomes sort of the idealized king it, in uh, Samuel he's not uh, whitewashed he's he's presented as complicated and someone who fails but in terms of when he's doing the king thing well that's the ideal to strive for um, and so even within a within a life of the ideal sort of king that king does not live up to the the 
ideal good shepherd that that God wants human beings to put into practice. Um, and and a, a part of that is this temptation to just to be a kingdom, right? To be an earthly kingdom. The vision isn't big enough and it becomes about holding on to plots of land or holding on to uh, resources. It's a very withholding and notion. And uh, you, you see that especially when nations become very isolationist, uh, which is that language of, well, we're first, uh, put us first, put us first. And, you know, that if that's the way a nation wants to run itself, but uh, you, as a follower of Christ, uh, or one who even just listens to the uh, prophets who are largely speaking to those in, in authority uh, in ancient times, that's, that's not following God, that's not following Christ, uh, the model there, if you have the two representations of kingdom in Genesis, the temptation, the, on the one hand, you have the God who gives freely and willingly, uh, all the food the people can eat and some responsibilities about taking care of the land. And then you have the, the serpent's alternative kingdom, which is, oh, uh, God is withholding and uh, you need to grasp at whatever you can grasp at. Uh, so you need to take take control and make sure that um, you're in charge and it becomes this very withholding thing. In, in Revelation, uh, there's a list of, of uh, economic list in there that Rome... Uh, imports and imports and imports like it's all the luxuries and finally it ends in uh human souls or slaves so you're importing and importing and importing but it gives out nothing right so that those are the two contrasting ways of living and in scripture and in early christian tradition uh it's you can choose the way of life or the way of death and the way of life is providing and giving out from what you have, as little or as great as that may be. And the way of death is this sort of withholding, taking. Uh, and, and of course, I've said earlier, um, somewhere in here, but I'll probably repeat it, that ultimately the powers of this world uh their ultimate way of control is i can kill you that that is that is their ultimate threat whereas uh god's ultimate power is i can give you life <laughs> so they might be able to take your life but i can give life uh they can't do that uh and so that's why you know, there's a strong tradition of, of standing up to powers, even to the point of death, uh, because really that's that's all they have. So once they've killed you, they, they can't do any more. Um, and uh, we see throughout history, uh, 
Christian, Jewish, whatever, when people stand up to nations to the point of death, that actually has a very powerful uh, message that often carries on long beyond the survival of a particular regime. So, yeah, that's that's part of the narrative. But, I, that, yeah, that just sort of the stream of thought coming out of Joshua warning the people foreshadowing further problems that are going to come and saying you know you got to keep this keep this covenant and do better than the people that were before you because uh, this ultimately this is God's land it's a gift um, you're given dominion over it you're given responsibilities in it and just like the Canaanites before you and whoever the Canaanites took out before that, you too can be disinherited from the land. And of course, that's where kings ends. They're disinherited from the land with a slight promise, a slight little bit of hope that uh, they might be able to go back. But what do we do when we go back? Why did we get kicked out in the first place? Are we going to re repeat those mistakes? And, and just keep that in mind the whole time you're reading Genesis, the, Genesis through Second uh, Kings, that that is one of the um, things that the author is trying to answer is why are we in exile? And, and then... How, how can we do better if the Lord uh, lets us return to the land and re resettle the land? Oh, those are my thoughts for the this morning. Thanks for joining me. Thank you for joining me for this morning's personal reflection. Don't forget to join me this evening, release time 5 o'clock, for the evening's personal reflection according to the Robert Murray McShane reading plan. If you find these reflections helpful and encouraging, then don't forget to subscribe and turn on notifications. Again, my hope is that in sharing my personal reflections with you, you will form your own habits of listening for the Spirit and reading the text. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you for joining me today on this episode of Starcross Kingdoms. If you like this content, well, you probably already know what to do. Like, subscribe, and please share. Also, feel free to send in your questions. Just keep them friendly and conversational, and that way I'll be far more likely to respond to them. Until next time, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ.